Hi, book club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crack. This is episode number 106, and our book is The King of the Spoil by Jonathan D. Beer. It is about a murder mystery of sorts, a gang uprising, if you will, deep in the heart of Varangantua. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, definitely check out this book before watching this episode, as we're going to be discussing the details from start to finish. And you know, it's like a mystery. It's a crime. Who done it? It's a noir. Don't spoil it. Let's dive in. Did you like the book? I did. It's not great but i but i really did and it actually hit me very emotionally in areas i wasn't expecting i cannot wait to hear about this um i okay you know what that's a good way to describe it i liked it i didn't love it it wasn't great there are some things that i really have a complaint about which we'll talk about here tonight um but i really did enjoy a lot of it and i liked we're going to talk a lot about the spoil as like a setting and as a character in and of itself, because I have a lot of feelings about this. I really like getting these little zoom in views of hive worlds. So yeah, it's a good way to put it. So I liked it. Did you read the two short stories that he wrote about the spoil before this? I did not know. So one of the readers recommended that we do that. And I uh, and I read both of those short stories before I hopped into this, and I'm really, really am glad I did. One was just a, a just a story about life and the spoil, and then the other one was about Melita. It's actually okay. about before she's part of the Valtteri. I'm pulling them up right now to have them to read after this. Uh, chains. Oh God, they're in. One's in, like, Sin and Sanction, or Sanction and Sin, and the other one's in uh, Broken City. Broken City. Mm, yeah, I have both of those collections. Perhaps I shall go read those after this. Um, I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I really enjoy Varangantua as a setting. I think it's super neat. We're going to talk a lot more about it here. But I'm really, I really want to hear the emotional stuff. What part, what part stood out to you? What hit you in so, the feelers? Honestly, it was... Um... There was two things, and it was with Hoska's story. Uh, one was on page 209, when Hoska's like, "I'm, we're not going to go join Sites, Sates. I don't know how you say his name. I'll just say Sates. We're not going to go join Sates in his revolution, because something just doesn't feel wrong with that. And, that, and she, you know, comes to him and is like, I'm afraid. Like, everything we've done was to look cool, but we're actually afraid. And, um, but then she hears her mother basically coughing herself to death. And she realizes, I'm either going to die like her, where I'm worked to death and nobody cares because I'm being slowly poisoned, or at least I can go out and die fighting for a cause. And that hit me so hard because it's like, to me, that's like, isn't that Warhammer 40k in a nutshell? Like, this is exactly why I would never want to live there. You know, I don't want to live in this universe because these are your choices. Your work to death. Mm-hmm. Or you fight and die. There's Either way, you're probably dying young. Exactly. Unless you happen to be, you know, in the upclaves, the upper hives, and you're and you're rich and everything. But then you're, like, hooked on drugs and stuff, so you're going to die young anyway. 
unless you do a lot of rejuvenate treatments, it's not a good existence, like no matter what you do. And then other thing that hit me was when, so it was after Leonida died and that kind of hits her hard, even though she just met the woman like that night, but it still hit her hard. And she's having to go now to the big meeting with States and like the other, you know, generals and stuff. And she sees that he's another corporate shill and how that affected her, the hypocrisy. And you know why this hit me? Because this feels like this is like a parallel to what's going on in the universe, like right, at least like in our society, like right, right, right now. You have these people with these grand causes and gestures and they want to do all these things. And it turns out they're just another corporate shill who is just trying to control you. So that is part of the oligarchy. Yeah, it just it hit so, so hard, Uh, you know, just to force regular people who just want to survive on daily basis into control and compliance. It's not just the spoil. It's not just, you know, in the 40K universe, like it's happening right now. And I just whether he meant that to be a parallel or not, it really hit me hard. I will actually agree with you on that. And which will be surprising because we're going to talk a lot about Haska later. But that piece, because for a minute there, for like a hot minute, she's kind of raw, raw, right? Like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I'm going to get like, I'm going to avenge Leonida and blah, 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 blah. Like, she's kind of like, ah, and then she sees that. And it's just this kind of pullback of the veil because his whole thing is he's kind of this firebrand, right? We're going to cast off the shackles of this cartel that looks down on us. And blah, blah, he's, blah, not, blah, blah. he's not even from here. We're going to take back our own domain and then he's being funded by someone that's also not from the spoil and when she sees that and she's just like oh you're just a puppet of a different oligarch Mm -hmm. no 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 not your oligarch your oligarchy's bad mine's good though right like that's essentially the argument that's being made here and i do like that i i loved that moment as well and that was actually the thing because again we'll talk more about haska but I, that part, I helped me connect with her. It's like, damn, that's kind of your life, man. Which is funny because like, you know, I didn't like her as a character for many reasons, but there were so many things like what she was experiencing that hit hit me hard. There's actually very few characters. It's funny because very few characters in this book I like, but at the same time it like, but the book still resonated with me, which I, I kind of mm-hmm. liked. And I don't think we're supposed to really like anybody because everyone is so flawed because they're people. Well, that's the thing that I and liked about it. It actually kind of made them real. Like probably the closest to like a good person you could get to would be Edie or Eddie, as I was calling him, because Edie is short for Edith. I was saying Eddie. Yeah, I was saying Eddie too. Um, Eddie, even though that's yes. And he, like- but even he, even he has a certain morally casual attitude to some of the stuff that's happening in the spoil, right? I was even thinking Maddox until the end. Kind of weird how that works. I had the same thought as well, where I was like, oh, no, this guy's good. This guy. Oh, I mean, but again, just a flawed person, just another cog in the machine that makes all of this work. So let's talk about the end. Rogel Dorn has come to join us this evening. The Primarch. Um, He's returned. (laughs) Hands and all. Um, So. What did you think of the spoil as a setting? So the, one of the cool things that I like about the hive worlds are that they're so big and they're so gargantuan. 
Gantua, anyone? Mm-hmm. Um, they're so gargantuan that you could have all of these little fiefdoms within it. And they can be wholly different. They can be very much the same. Like, I love Necromunda for that reason. I really just, I'm very intrigued by the hive worlds of Warhammer 40k. And so a nice romp through a hive was very much what I liked. What did you think of the setting, the people, the mood? Dirty. That's all I could think of is just like, you think about like, like the dirty back alleys of, mm. of a big city. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Like there's a smell in this area of the world. I'm guessing um, when they talk about how hot it is, when they talk about like when they're talking about their hab and like how it's basically flack board right. in between, which I, I'm doing this because that's all I can think of as like a, like a composite board, Ikea table. <laughs> That you've broken. Um, it just, everything is cheap and effective, right? And it's it's squalor. Mm-hmm. But these people are still making their living there and they're still going about their lives. And as you said, trying to figure out their destiny. But that's really what your destiny is. Do you burn fast and bright in a gang? Or do you go labor long in some sweatshop stealing what you can and trying to hustle and have side hustles on the side like it's it's all it's all very grim Mm -hmm. you might say yeah well it says the grim dark right exactly um but it it works well this idea of that much humanity put on and the fact that yeah it's it's hard for me especially because when you when you just talk about the scale of these areas. So they talk about the spoil and how it's this little small area, but then they describe like the battle that goes through this area. Mm, probably not as small as you're thinking, right? Well, I mean, yes and no. Like it was small, but I think that the area that they were fighting, there was the contrast, right? It's small. We're fighting over these Habs. Then when we get to the church of, you know, uh, St. Eurydice, how big it is. They have farms. They have grocks. All of this stuff that they're not sharing or, like, even, like, selling for the people to spoil, to eat and drink. The scene with the fruit really made me sad. And... To your point, again, it's this it's this inequity, right, that you see in these hive worlds between even within their within their own hive. Like they always talk about like, oh, the upclavers and the gilded. But then even within their own area, there's people who have access to much better stuff, but they're not sharing it because they fought and killed for and got their own. Like you need to work your way up to the top of the food pyramid if you want to be up here with the fruit. Well, I mean, but it's it's almost not not even that. Like, it's not to me like, okay, they don't share it, but they don't even try to sell it. They don't even try to trade. That's the disgusting part. Like, you don't want to give it away. Okay, I get that. Fine. You know, we can't get something for nothing. But you got people who are willing to trade, willing to mm-hmm. do service for this food, and you won't even do that. Well, and that's and it, this, that's like, where it comes world, into. That's the thing, like all the, they could get all the slate in the world, right? They're still not getting that fruit. They're getting more carb bars. Right. It's, again, the fact that you get to the top of the spoil 
And you just start acting like the Gilded. Right. I mean, in your own cutely charming way to the Gilded, right? But that is, as a setting, the despair. The despair in this book is palpable. And just this idea of not, of scraping by and not having anything. And then the other thing that's interesting is how straighted the, the, the society is right. Like when she, when uh, Melita and Eddie show up in that very first scene when they mm-hmm. show up and they immediately know, Oh, you're up clavers. Mm-hmm. Like they just know. And uh, when Haska sees sites talking with that, those guys, she's just like, they're not from here. Like, I just know it's, it's interesting. Again, just these little hallmarks of their society and how, rigid it is mm-hmm. while also being chaotic and anarchal right so let's talk about melita as a pro as a protagonist did you like her was she good at her job was she a good character did you yeah did you resonate with her uh no um as mainly because um just her being such a drug addict that's hard and i don't want to hear that oh but her parents were killed okay so is everybody else in this area all right so um, ordinary it, exactly um and yeah okay so to be a good you know info broker she needs to stay up all night I, i've i've heard these excuses with the imperium so many times oh i have to be alert so i need all these stems no, you don't. That's a choice that you are making. And the fact that you are getting so addicted to these stems to the point you actually need to take a sleeper drug to get some sleep and then have to come out of it with another stem. So you didn't, since you didn't read the short story, there in the her short story, um, there's a scene where she talks about she where she was not off of her topaz yet, but she needed to take a sleeper. And she wakes up and she was like so thankful that she was sitting up because she had thrown up all over herself. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. So it's like at that point, like you're just making bad choices. So, you know, with Eddie being like, I can't watch you do this anymore. And she's just like, that's so unfair. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, like, I'm, I'm sorry. You're not. Like you're, you're very good at your job. Yes. You're a, you are a good info broker. I'm not sure there's anything you could have done to have predicted what was happening, especially since it was an upclaver, you know, coming in and handling this, especially when you find out who, you know, killed the king of the spoil. Like, I'm not sure she could have, you know, pre- predicted that and the way things worked. And um, just, you know, um, but is she a good person? No. She's so ready just to give up. All right, fine. I think that was the thing that bothered me too, the drug addict part. Because again, like when she talks about how, oh, well, I need to do this. Eddie's older than you and keeping the same schedule as you right now, currently. And he appears not to be on drugs. Like it's just, if you've ever known somebody in your life who struggles with addiction, there's always a reason. There's always Mm -hmm. an excuse. There's always a, no, I'm fine. I'm in control. I, but I need this. Like, you don't understand what's going on with me that I need this. No, no, you made a choice 
and now you're just trying to justify it. And I really, that was the one thing that really make me, made me like Eddie even more is that, yeah, he's a little morally ambiguous than the spoil. Um, I would call him pragmatic. Um, yeah, that's a good but word he for does, him. he cares about Melita so much. He cares about Melita and, and she he, treats him like shit half the time. She does, but she does recognize. I did like when she gets very concerned when he's hurt and she recognizes that don't need a father in my life, but I recognize that that's kind of the role that he's taken on. And she is kind of, I just, so here's the thing that I didn't like about her that really did stand out to me. A, she's a drug addict, which the drug addict, the drug addiction says, I exist within Varangantua. I am a citizen of Varangantua, and this is just kind of the way things are, right? The fact that she was so incensed by any type of violence. Did you grow up in this hive or nah? Like, and I'm not saying that that everybody has to be cold and callous, but yeah, like when violence is kind of an everyday part of your life, you do start to get desensitized to it and inured to it. So the idea that she's just like all incensed every time she comes across anybody being violent, she's just like, oh. Isn't there another way? Are you? Do you exist within 40K or no? I, I can't tell. It's just funny because again, going back to the short story, she's that way too in that short story. And the whole short story is about the Valtteri have a hit on all info brokers. So. There you go. Yeah. She's, you know, trying to figure out like what's actually happening. Who's doing these killings? Why are they killing info brokers? Why do they think I might have something to do with this? Who's actually doing it? But at the same time, there's like any violence and she just flips out. And it's like, hun, look at where you are. Look at what you're f- fighting from. At the same time, like, I, I understand that, you know, you may not may not want, want to deal with this. Same time, you got a bodyguard, right? Right. For a reason. Yeah, so clearly you recognize that nice words don't go very far in the spoil. That there's not a lot of people with whom you can just talk it out. And the thing is, Otherwise, even, you wouldn't have any. She's not even really in the spoil, right? No. So that makes it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. This idea that... Yeah, I, that was one thing with her character I really struggled with. Um, and the addiction part. The addiction part makes her, and this is, I don't know if this is a failing on my part or not, but I just could not have a lot of sympathy for her. And but again, quite I'm frankly, not sure, I'm not sure we're supposed to. That could be. That could be. I also didn't find her super great at her job. If you think about it, she kind of falls into everything. And her informant network isn't super great. She has Babbage, which it's like, oh, okay, you got one guy. Um and then she kind of falls into buy. But otherwise, she kind of pieces things together on her own or falls into them. Like, she stumbles across Maddox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's supposed to be this great info bro- broker. And I agree with you. There was no way she could have predicted right. <laughs> what was going on here. I mean, everybody was like, what just happened? Um yeah, I wasn't like, I didn't get the impression that she was the super confident and competent uh, info broker either. She was just kind of a mid-level, but maybe that's also, I mean, these are just the denizens of the hive, right? Uh, Make it a living. fair, in that short story, they might have killed the best info brokers. Like that scene in Death of Stalin. 
we killed all the good doctors. Oh, yes. Um, yes. One of my favorites. So we talked a little bit about Eddie and Maddox. Um, did you like them? And what was kind of their greater role both within you mean Melita? Melita's? Huh? You mean Melita? You said Maddox. No, no, no. Yeah, Eddie and Maddox. Okay. So these are, I think, our two biggest support characters. And you and I kind of touched on this in terms of like, before we get to Haska's whole story. What are their greater roles, both within the spoil, but also like within this story? Like Eddie is clearly her father figure, clearly cares about her. I really liked him as a character. What is Maddox's deal? I think, honestly, he's a, well, at first... <laughs> I thought he was just puritanical. You know, like he's not dumb. Like he was fairly certain that his Castellan was on the Valtteri pay- payroll, right? Um, and he knows every, he knows everybody around him is corrupt because he knows Varincantua is, is corrupt, but he's doing his, at the same time, he's very op- optimistic in that he's doing the best that he can to uh, cl- clean it up. And he knows very well that the death of, um, I can't remember his name, S- Sorokin. Sorokin. Uh, his death was not good because it, it un- you know, makes basically everything like unstable. So while at the same time, like he wants to get the bad guys, he also understands the importance of stability. And sometimes his places are just kind of a loss, which is kind of how I think he treats the spoil. It's just a loss. As long as they're not burning everything down whatever well now they're burning everything down this is now officially a problem um but then at the end when he says he has other plans for the spoil it's like okay what does that mean does that mean speculation time i mean is it that i mean does does he want to get just somebody better in there where he can control them more does he want to get in on that pay cut does he does want he to move want in to, like, does he want to expel the Valtteri that could be I mean if we go for good things maybe he's like that's just step one step one in cleaning this place up step one in getting rid of all of these people that we want Um. although when you look at the whole eco deatho system that is the spoil. I don't know that getting rid of the Valtteri and Sorokin was the best bet. I mean, that's definitely what she wanted. But as for what... Yes. And we still don't really know why. Right? Still don't really know what the cause was. I thought that was just very question about that. Yeah. And... Um, so it's like we are kind of left with a lot of unknowns. No idea why she did it. No idea what Maddox's plans are. You know, what's going to happen with, uh, with ha- not Haska. Well, I guess kind of what's going to happen with Haska, but also what's going to happen with Melita. Because she's in a really interesting situation now. Yeah. And I, I have to say, like, I laughed really hard that Vasimov was throwing a fit. That he's like, I'm being blamed for everything. I did everything right. It's like, oh, pumpkin. You had no idea all the you know mistakes that you made that she actually pointed out. Shouldn't do that. Don't do that. You're going to make things worse. Like, shut up. I know what I'm doing. And then things got worse. And then, yes, they all blamed him for it. He's like, well, you know, I just I should have just kept her here and she couldn't have done anything. You mean she couldn't have solved the mystery? Like you keeping her there was not going to solve the mystery. So it was a. Uh, 
I don't know. That I thought was like the one justice. I thought that kind of happened was that he he got blamed. But there's but like, yeah, there's a, so where did the Valtteri go from here? Who's going to run the spoil now? Yeah, basically everybody under Sorokin is dead. Oh, right. Sates is missing. And, you know, <laughs> and, and Maddox was just like, you know, we'll do our best to root them out, but not too, but not totally successful because I have my own plans. Like, well, what is that? Are you going to use Sates for something else? Are you using it for your own glory? Like, it's very, I don't, I don't there's so many possibilities it could be that he's so many little things here so let's talk really quick since we're still talking about our protagonists here um let's talk about haska were you invested in her journey i wasn't but at the same time it was like her stories like like i said earlier that kind of hit me the most and i think it's because it's kind of like getting a slice of life on Varangantua. Like, it. you want to know how bad things suck? Look at a day in Hasta's life, right? Right. These are the choices that she has to make. Like, but did I care if she lived or died? Not really. I mean, I would have been fine either way. Um, I kind of think they almost took the coward's way out with her by, by letting her live. Um, that's just my, my personal opinion. Um, but at the same, the same time, I also did like that, you know, her mother was there and she's just like, oh, my God, like, I can't let my mother even think I even care because I'm not good enough for her. OK, great. You can choose to change that. But she refuses. But at the same time, she's not she doesn't grow at the same time. She does and doesn't. It's a very interesting uh, paradox with, with, with her. Um, but the, I mean, on the whole, no, I was more interested in like, well, what, you know, how are they going to? I was interested in her in as much as where's this revolution going and how is this going to work out? That was about really as far as I got with her. But like, yeah, I will say every time they went over to a Haska chapter, I was like, like for a really long time. But then to your point, once she really start, once she started to get deeper into the book and she has that conversation in her mind, right with her mom. And she's like, Oh man, I should just, I should just stay here. I should not go. I should not get on that truck tonight. I should just stay here with my mom. But then I'm just going to work to death in some factory. And I'm going to die a death that's slow and painful that I don't choose. At least with this, I can choose my mm -hmm. death, right? And that was, I was like, oh, man, okay. So these, are these. if you're a young person in a hive world, this is pretty much your options. Do you go slave to death and die from some hacking cough or God knows what else from your poor mm -hmm. food and water supply and the chemicals that you're inhaling? Or do you just go fast and hard and get killed in some gloriously violent way, right? Um, that's yeah, very sad. And I do like the idea that you're not wrong. She gets to the end of the book and it's just like, oh man, yeah, like that was all kind of crazy. And you know, the guy who was leading our glorious revolution is nothing but another puppet for a different oligarch. And yet, her first thought is, they killed Lyra. Vengeance for Lyra. Like, the, the cycle of violence continues. Um, and you get the impression that with her character, she's just going to keep going until she gets killed or she... Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, she'll become 
the next, um, oh my gosh, I just totally spaced her name. It's not Lisiana. That's actually a girl my daughter knows. Um, Leonida? Leonida. Thank you. She'll, that'll be her next, that's her next future. Right. Right? Like, someday you'll be the woman inspiring other young little gang girls to join up in a fight and a glorious mm-hmm. takedown of the spoil, right? Like, those are her, those are her options. Well, and it's a time, like, pretty grim. Eddie tells Melita the same thing. It's like, it's your choice. You have a choice to make here. And she's like, well, what choice do I have? He's like, you have a choice. And so, and that was like really probably the only brilliant moment Melita has is when she does make that choice and escapes. Right. You know, and I was like, like, oh, she's making a turn. And then again, you get to the end. No, it's amazing how these people grow. But I can say that about everybody in this book, honestly, these people grow and yet don't at the same time. But I think there's a commentary right there that like life in a hive is static. Right. You pretty much do the same thing day in and day out, no matter what it is, right? And maybe not literally, like her mom goes to a factorum and does the same job every single day. She's going to rob some other group. She's posturing. She gets involved in a shootout. She goes into this battle. Like It's different, but at the same day, it's basically wake up, violence, sleep. Wake up, violence, sleep. Until, mm-hmm. again, until eventually she gets killed or miraculously dies of old age <laughs> not that's gonna happen for her. but like th- that's the stagnant life that these people live it mm-hmm. is brutal and hard and yet they are all people with again the sonder was real here all of these people were very much real characters very flawed people who were just products of their surroundings right so let's talk a little bit about I do need to point out something really funny about Haska, though, because hmm. I burst out laughing when this happened in the book. So later on in the book, around see page four hundred eight, she looks up and sees Lyra, and she's like, "Lyra is the most beautiful person Haska's ever seen." I burst out laughing. Went back to the beginning of the book, and sure enough, page twenty three, Lyra and Haska look enough alike to be sisters. I'm like, so how vain are you? She's a, she looks just like me. She's the most beautiful person I've ever seen. I, I'm not sure he meant for yep. that to be funny, but it cracked me up. <laughs> well, because they had said that those two look alike. Katrin looks nothing like them. Right. You know, because if you've seen um, the Loki TV show at all, uh, it deals with time-displaced Lokis, and there's this one who's murdering all these people. Well, it's a female version of Loki. And so the Tom Hiddleston one falls in love with her. And at one point, it's like Owen Wilson is just like, how vain are you? You have fallen in love with you. (laughs) That's all I could think of here. (laughs) That that whole that whole thing was, again, just bright and fast, but short, because that's what these people's lives are. R is just bright and short. Um, so let's get to the assassination of Sorokin and all of the people involved here. Um, did they wrap up the who done it and what is going on here well for you? I still don't know who she is. Yeah, I got her name, but I don't, and we know that she's a noble, 
And but she's got some cause and they talk about her eyes and apparently the touch of her skin is also like not pleasant. So and I found it very interesting because in the back of the book, because you know sometimes they'll do like excerpts from other books that are kind of similar. What's in the excerpt of this one? Bloodlines. Is she part of the snake cult? <laughs> is this all part of yeah well and she was kind of funny too so i was i was irritated because i kept like i'm not gonna lie around page 380 or so when i had about that much left in the book i was like where is this lady like what what is going on with her we haven't seen anything with her and then i get to page 400 and i'm like okay She's going to be here any minute. No. Oh, no. 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 Not. Oh, there she is in the epilogue. Um. What was the. Why, though? Or are they trying to make a larger statement that when it comes to a hive world, there is always some cult and some weird stuff going or, on and somebody with an agenda. And it's just pointing to the Gilded. Right. Yeah, and many and and that's one way to look at it. It's just kind of pointing to the gilded. Or yeah, I'm, maybe I'm looking. Maybe I'm reading too much into the bloodlines inclusion in there. But I could think I was like, is she part of this snake cult? Which we know is alive and well mm -hmm. on this planet, um, and sowing that type of chaos would not 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 oobly woobly chaos but just you know anarchy um sowing that type of anarchy there would go a ways towards maybe right. concealing we, we still don't know her full plan because she said like things no. didn't go the way it was well what was your thing was to get rid of the cartel was was that your plan or was there an or did you just want everything to just burn were you going to come in and offer to buy everybody's property <laughs> after it burns to the ground? Day of. Sorry you lost your family. Can I buy your property? Yeah. Too soon? Um, <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. Again, mirroring real life. Um, <laughs> unintentionally, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But what was her plan for the spoil? Like, does she need the spoil to not be there for some reason? Because she needs that that land she needs some people who were in power she needs everybody one of the things that i keep looking at is just want to watch the world burn i mean totally possible or is something else going on is this the, like the kentucky what well, is that the kentucky shuffle the kentucky two-step well, where you need everyone to look over here because you're doing something over here well Maybe? she mentioned a cause it's like what is this cause what is this cause um, and they do mention, cause, or were you just duping these people into it? Right, because remember when um, when he's talking about what I can't think of his name right now. I'm like drawing a blank on all names this evening. But when um, the general, yes, when Ranich. he's thinking, and he's talking about his wife, right? He's like, "Oh, I discovered this through my wife." And you know, at first, I just thought it was kind of dumb. But like, how did she get an invitation to this? Oh, wait, no, this is interesting, and. Later, Velis even says, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just met through the spouse. And then just a little marital discontent got me right on in there where I wanted to be. Like, okay, but to what end? Again, why this? Like, 
is this step one is the second book in the series, which we're going to talk about here in a minute um, from a little bit of meta commentary. But will the second book in the series then basically this will be like the background information to that. We're like, oh, yeah, remember when we were doing all that stuff in that hive over there? Because over here we were doing something else. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's going to be because I'm having I'm having a beef with these Warhammer crime books. I love them, but we have so many that are like a character's name novel, and then we don't get a sequel. I'm looking at you, Chris. Right. So okay, this was my meta commentary. You read my mind. This is the meta commentary I wanted to get into. Okay, this is the third or fourth book now that we have read that you were correct. A character's novel. Typically. You say that. Oh, Guy Haley Vizcane. also wrote one too. That huh? Guy Haley wrote one too that really yeah. set up for a nice sequel. Where's that? Um, like, I, I look. I don't mind these random Warhammer crime books. I really don't. But don't put a person novel because I'm like, okay, so where's the next one then? Because you saying that makes me think there's going to be more. So Mark, I had to go back and look on our site for this. So. Um, obviously Alec Worley, so love that book. Alec Worley has, he hasn't, he had already done an audio drama in. I'm not counting the, the, the Baggett and Claude, not. I'm going to, I'm going to count that one though, because that is no, no, clearly no. he's trying to build a story no, in there. So we I have mean, that. With my beef. I'm oh, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to include it in there because I, are we going to get more books from them? So we have Baggett and Claude. We have the. Quillen Drask novel, Grimmer Past, from Mark Collins. We have... I have to go back here and look. That was good. Um, And then we had the Gee Haley one, which I have to go to page two so that I can see the cover of the book. It's a Noctis and Lux novel. Okay, there's another one. Then we had Bloodlines, which was the Augusto Zukov, I think it was. Zubov? Something like that. They all have very, very Eastern European mm-hmm. names. Zidorov, Augusto Zidorov okay. novel. Um, so that's four books that we've gotten. Five if we want to put Melita Voronova in here. So that's now five series that we've essentially started. And yeah, do you know when we read um, Bloodlines by Chris Rate? August 15th, 2020. It's been almost exactly say, three years. I was about to say 2019, but okay. Yeah. So, and again, I get it. Like everybody's busy. Everybody's writing other stuff. And I, I know I understand there's a lot of pressure on all of these people because I want new books. Um, and, you know, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying I need more giant soulless babies in my life. Or maybe um, Lords of Silence 2 Electric Boogaloo. Just throwing this out there. However... I have the same beef. We keep getting these name novels mm-hmm. and then nothing else comes out. Maybe a short story here and there. Okay, sure. But what is going on with the crime series? I almost wonder, like, with these short story collections, if they're using that as, like, you know, obviously they are, but they're using it as, like, a foundation for which ones do really well and that from that will you know commission additional stories about about this character and that that's fine and all but we need some continuity at the same time because like if maybe what they're doing is that they're introducing various areas of Varangantua 
you know, because obviously none of these have taken place in the same region. That's fine. We still need some continuity going on here. Like the next, the next uh, Augusta uh, Zitarov, the next Knox, Knox, Noctis and Lux. Mm -hmm. I was going to call them the Knox. Just combine that all together. Make him a celebrity couple. Right. I mean, Knox also means knight. So it doesn't, it depends what language you're going to use. Ave Dominus Knox. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. No, I feel it. It, it. It's a thing that, and I also like, it's been, oh God, now I have to go back and pull up that page again where we had all of the um, Warhammer crime novels. So we go about a year in between novels. Mm -hmm. um, Flesh and Steel came out just a couple of months after Bloodlines because they clearly wanted to like, hey, we have this new shiny toy. We want to show it off. But then Grimmer Past is almost exactly a year afterward and Wraithbone Phoenix was almost exactly a year with um the war Warhammer horror series too right I was just about to say it does mirror the horror series a little bit um I don't know why um the Warhammer crime one I don't understand in particular because that one what was the last horror novel that we even read uh, Deacon of Wounds? No, it was uh, the Bookkeeper's Skull in March oh, okay. of last year. So we're actually due another horror novel. Um, because Deacon of Wounds was March of 2021. Trying to... Oh. And then there was The Reverie. No, there wasn't. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. And I, Requiem Infernal. No, there wasn't. Uh, yeah, I totally and forgot. And Sepulturum. Oh, and the Oubliette and the Watcher in the oh, the Watcher in the Rain was so good. Yeah, but that was all the early stuff though. When they put out a whole bunch of stuff. Yes, yes, they put out a bunch of stuff. Uh, the Way Out by Rachel Harrison was excellent. Um, and then that would oh, no, that would hit me so hard in the feels. What about Necromunda? What's going on with Necromunda? Is that just dead? Oh my goodness. The last book that came out in Necromunda, I think, might have been. I have the Underhive Anthology, and then there was the one I can picture the cover. It has what's her face on it. Um, I own it. But it's like, <laughs> it's almost like they get yeah. really hot and heavy, like up front with these yes. series, and then they just die. And it's like, but people might have liked those because I think people like the Necromunda series. People like I the horror. People like well. the crime. Now I have to go and look for Necromunda and see when the last book that came out and that was. Because that was one, again, they did, um, they had a bunch of stuff that came out. They had Fire Made Flesh. They had Soulless Fury was the one that I was trying to think of the name of because I could picture her on the cover. Um, they had all kinds of stuff. They had the Cal Jericho Center's Bounty, which if you haven't read that, that was amazing. They did Road to Redemption. Um, and they came out with like another like big one, Terminal Overkill by Justin D. Hill. That one was actually kind of fun too. Um, and then it just kind of went away. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I think you're right. I think they get so wrapped up in, oh, hey, guess what? Something new is happening in the campaign. Crank out those books super, super quick. And then they kind of just forget to go back to some of the other stuff that they had been working on. Um, it makes for a very disjointed... A disjointed experience. Warhammer, crime, Warhammer Horror and Crime also have 
Like, they're in the top rail of the Black Library site. Probably because I think Warhammer Horror at least has, like, they can also do stuff. I forgot that they've had a couple of books that came out in the fantasy world, but... Makes sense. Who cares about that, am I right? <laughs> Age With of Sigmar, Age of Sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the old world! Um... We love Age of Sigmar just as much as the other person. My husband is currently playing um, Total Warhammer 3 again. Uh, so very, very much into the old world mentality right now. But yeah, like the Warhammer crime, I just want to see like the next Warhammer crime book for me, for me personally, needs to be Chris Rate's next Augusto Zukov book. Zetarov mm-hmm. Zukov. Whatever his name is. Rob Zuka. Augusta Z. All right. World War II hero. <laughs> Played by Jason Isaacs. Let's be real. The, uh, uh, the, uh, the probator that we wish was actually having an affair. <laughs> oh my God. That's what I need to see the rest of that. Sorry, my family just came home. So I needed to tell them to close the door. And there's a hanger on the door. Um. Children are a blessing. So, anyways, we have... Um, I just want that next book to come out. That's what I want next. I, I wouldn't complain about another one of these, but can we please go back to Augusto? Or just... Uh, any of them. Another Baggett and Claude. Another uh, Knox. Another... Uh, don't remember the Mark Collins name, but... Any of them, I'm fine. Instead of like, instead of a new one, I literally just said it too, and I can't remember it now either. It's Quillian Drass. I was about to say, I think it's got a Q in there somewhere. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, something like that. Um, I would not complain to more Baggett and Claude stories. That would, would be. I'll take anything. I'll take all of honest. them. Yeah, same, same. Um, there appears to be a lot of short stories, but by God, man. Um, I need to start reading more of their short story collections. I feel I, really bad about that. I do too. I'm just, I'm reading like, I don't know, feel sorry for me, guys. I'm just reading so much right now. First world problems. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I still haven't um, written up The Crimson King and I finished it like two weeks ago. Because that's just where things have been. That's, but I really, I like the crime series because again, I really like the idea of the hive worlds. I love Necromunda as a, as a setting. I love Baron Gantua. I love how noir it is, grim noir. I just love um, the whodunits. And, and they've all been very good whodunits. I like a good murder mystery. I like, yeah, I like a good crime story. Uh, I really liked the Baggett and Claude one. I, I need more of this in my life. It can't all be specimarines and violence and nids and necrons and although our next book is going, is going to be not space marines but it's going to be imperial guard and i have no doubt you know something and necron tau. oh is it tau again it's tau not nids well do you remember that one book that we read that was about the Cadians and the Tau and then it ended up being all about the flares and they had a dinner party with a Necron? Oh, right. That's such a good book. 
I want everyone to know that that is Kazarkin will forever be the book where the Cadians had a dinner party with a Necron. Yes. The Cadians and the Crute. Yes. Cadians and the the Crute walked into a bar. Walked into a, a, they don't call them pyramids, Uh, but walked into a Necron pyramid and um, had a dinner party Mm -hmm. and the food wasn't that bad. Um, But no, we were reading long shot. But he apologized and brought him back. <laughs> what even was that book? The tower in there for like ten minutes. <laughs> like, anyways, but now we're reading about the Cadians and the Tower again in a book called Long Shot by Rob Young. I'm really excited to get another Astra Militarum novel. It's been a while since we've had one, and we've really enjoyed most of just one? the Astra Militarum novels. Was it so Catachan Double? the last official uh, one uh, that might have been yeah well please i'm gonna look oh they don't even have a yeah there we go outgunned that's what it was outgunned i had to think about that one for a second it was outgunned um that one was that was fun i mean we had we've had a good oh wait bringer was oh, good which bringer which bringer Witchbringer is the one that I was thinking of. Was the Witchbringer one? I liked that one. Actually, they've all um, been good. I liked Krieg. I liked Witchbringer. I liked Steel Tread. I liked Catachan Devil. I liked Outgunned. Obviously, we've enjoyed all of the uh, Caiaphas Kane books, which technically fall into that. Kazarkin, Kazarkin, Catachan Devil. Yeah, those ones were fun too. Krieg. Yeah, Kazarkin's not listed on here, and that's a shame. But Volpone Glory, Steel Tread. Oh God, Volpone Glory was so good. Honor bound, of which I need more Severina rain in my life. Do you need more Severina um, rain? It's been four years though, so just saying. But now we get uh, snipers and tau. Snipers and tau. Oh my! I'm excited for it. Should be a good, good return to form here after our little stint in the Warhammer crime universe. Uh, hopefully, a, we get a new, another new author. Hmm? So, new author. That's true too. Yeah, new author. Um, I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging the new authors. This has been a good thing. Hopefully it won't lead us as astray as the last one. Anyway, it's not important right now. Um, throwing that out there. Well, <laughs> we're here. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, do you want to take us out, Carrie? I suppose that I will. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding The King of the Spoil by Jonathan D. Beer. Be sure to join us next time for Long Shot by Rob by Rob Young. I don't know why that tongue tied me, but I didn't even drink any wine tonight. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. I'm not all furious today because I'm too tired. <laughs> Taking a day um, off. I got nothing clever tonight either now your chartreuse is still hidden so you can't even like point to it anymore i know the chartreuse has gotten shuffled down i do have the fall of cadia over there and let me tell you guys that limited special box thing weighs 
almost as much as my cast iron pan. Yeah, so... So get you a murder book. So, like, mine is on this shelf right here. And I, you can't see it right now, but <clears throat> it's so heavy, it's actually making that shelf bow a little bit. And I have to move it. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a... It's a big hunker. We should have done an unboxing for that. I guess we could still go back and do an unboxing for it. I took Anyways, pictures of them on Instagram. Right so there's your unboxing, people. Get you some murder book. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> some murder book. Get big. Yeah. Get big. Get some murder. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> good night. of the Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve. <laughs>